Hi everyone, it's Adam from Monkey Tennis here. Just saying a huge thank you to all of you that have supported my charity appeal uh, so far. For those that haven't heard about it, this September I'm going to be swimming uh, 15 kilometres uh, between five islands in Cornwall. Uh, I'll be swimming the Isles of Scilly. That's Scilly, S-C-I-L-L-Y. Um, I'm doing it because I want to, but also to raise money for Calm, the campaign against living miserably. It's a well-known statistic that 125 people in the UK die by suicide every week, and Calm run a free and confidential helpline for people to speak through their problems and ultimately to help prevent suicides. Um, I'm looking to raise enough money to train two new phone workers um, to man those lines um, and I'll be doing it by swimming the Isles of Scilly in Cornwall. Um, if you're looking to support me, it would be greatly appreciated. Um, you can donate at justgiving.com. Um, just go there and search for Adam Swim Silly. That's Adam Swim Silly, S-C-I-L-L-Y. All donations greatly appreciated. Thank you for helping me to support Calm. And now, on with monkey tennis. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. This episode of Monkey Tennis is brought to you by the Alan Partridge Parisian Experience. Book your tickets now to experience a weekend in Paris fit for an Alan. For a special low price, this weekend escape will see you being whisked away in a luxury Renault Espace to experience the sights and sounds of Partridge's Paris. A romantic two-night getaway in the city that brought us the Eiffel Tower, Quasimodo, cappuccino drinking and the chomping of onions. There's no better way to say I'm in Paris and nothing's going to stop me. Saturday includes a matinee performance from Cirque de Clune, followed by a five-course dinner at the restaurant with no name. Sunday includes a preview of Yvonne Boyd's latest fashion show, Medical Chic. Taking bookings now, so don't delay in getting your tickets to a weekend in Paris that's 100% Alan approved. Monkey tennis? You better believe it, babe. There's a new chat in town. Monkey tennis? Ice white shoes, ice white socks with navy blue double cadet strong. Aha! Monkey tennis? I've just been told that Roger Moore is at Chiswick Roundabout. Monkey tennis? Oh, what the heck? Rock and roll, it's all of a pair! Monkey tennis? Yes, I am in a jacuzzi sipping spunt. Alan, 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 Alan. And on that bombshell, monkey tennis? Bonjour mes amis, bienvenue à Monkey Tennis, the Alan Partridge fan podcast, with me, Adam Brooks. I'm also joined by Tom Dark, Chevron Action Flash, Nick Older, Imperial Leisure, and Tom Stab. Oh, hee ho hee ho. Stab wins. Stab wins. So, as you may have guessed from the light continental flavour of the intro, uh, this episode of Knowing Me Knowing You uh, comes from Paris, allegedly. Um, <laughs> bonjour. Well done. Uh, and coincidentally, uh, this episode of Monkey Tennis is also coming to you live from Paris. Yes. 
Paris, as, as you can London, <laughs> city of French people, and home of Quasimodo. <laughs> oh, wait, 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 wait. Paris, the city of French people, home of Quasimodo, Quasimodo Louis XIV, Hercule Poirot, and Sasha Distel. One of those is an odd one out. Do you know which one it is? <sighs> Hercule Poirot. Why? He's from, oh, he's oh, he's Belgium? from Belgium. Paris. Correct. Yeah. Ah. Uh, that's not the first error that Alan, make, Alan <laughs> makes in this episode, though. This one because he also um, so incorrectly identifies the cappuccino as a French <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Brilliant. Uh, yeah, he's gone full beret. And uh, there's a cold open of this episode from the uh, Café Kleber, which yes. is in Paris. That really was shot in Paris, as far as I can tell. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's on the Trocadero. Um, this episode says to me... Uh, the BBC chiefs have thought, what can we do to salvage this show? Let's bring in a co-host to reduce Alan's time and do it in Paris. (laughs) So that's in Alan world, not in real life. That's in Alan world. This is damage limitation, isn't it? Uh, Before we get too deep into this this, uh, episode, I think we've got some general intel from Mr. Tom Dark. Uh, Yes, Adam, thanks for that. Uh, Since last (laughs) week's episode, I have been on the phone with Sam Taylor, who was the production coordinator across the day-to-day and know me knowing you so we had a bit of a chat just to kind of run through what our experience is like on those shows um so yeah for those that don't really know like the role of a production coordinator it's essentially overseeing a lot of the admin duties uh, in the process of making a tv show so uh she would work along the alongside the production manager in things like um putting together the call sheets um organizing uh the crew um getting cars together for the cast and any kind of admin duties like that so uh that was the role that she carried out across kind of 93 94 on these two shows um so yeah i mean i'll just give you kind of the highlights of the 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 headlines of the conversation that we had um so at the time that she got this job she had worked with uh steve coogan once before and armando unici once before but she hadn't ever heard on the hour so she didn't really quite know what she was getting into in terms of what the day-to-day coming to it fresh yeah exactly um but she said basically the production team kind of worked in a basement office in percy street in london Ooh, um, i used to work on percy street oh, there we go all right was it in a basement uh, no it wasn't okay it was so, in a proper office harsh um <laughs> so a lot of the a lot of the shooting initially was done out on location so it wasn't really until they were shooting together in fountain studios which is in wembley in london doing all the kind of anchor based stuff with chris morris where it really started to come together and they she just kind of said they would spend their days just like laughing their heads off that it was so funny um on an alan tip specifically she uh she thinks that his the first day shooting with alan was when he was at the horse races and i just kind of asking her whether it felt like Alan was a real standout character and she did kind of say that she remembered that day just kind of thinking this is a really funny sketch that's like, the bit where he's all get, he's getting irked by all the bystanders isn't yes it? and he's getting rained on a lot and everything mm. as well um her one of her favorite uh, moments from the day today was when the bureau went on tour she said to me though uh, and also asked her what it was like working with people like chris and armando she said that chris was lovely and uh what really stayed with her is that he gave her a personal thank you note at the end of the shoot which uh, very nice I think is a nice thing to yep. happen on yep. a tv production uh, but she, yeah she said like kind of uh, between working with Armando and Chris, you really felt that you were in the presence of kind of something quite great because they're clearly both so kind of intelligent and clever and quite driven people. It's quite interesting, isn't it? Sometimes you hear that question asked to people who work on sort of things that have gone on to be like Star Wars, for example. Did you mm. know what you were working on was going to be so big yeah. and successful? And they, quite often they say, no, we had really no idea. Yeah, but and, well, that, that is kind of what she said in terms of, have you know, when you're working on the show, like, yeah, you have no concept that it's going to have a cultural legacy where people are recording a podcast mm, yeah, about yeah, it 20 yeah. years later or whatever. Yeah. But definitely in terms of working with those people, she, you know, you could 
could kind of tell that they were great people and they they really had like this drive and kind mm. of focus behind them. Um, and, and I also asked her because I think particularly the way Chris Morris is kind of eulogized on the internet, it's kind of, it's almost like it's written about like the on the arrow and the day to day were very much him. But um, kind of the, the impression I got from the chat with her was that both, both those shows, um, particularly the day to day, which she worked on was very much an ensemble effort. So it was Armando, it was Chris, it was Patrick Marber, Rebecca Front, Dean McCain, kind of all of these people coming together. Whereas she feels like Brass Eye was much more of a Chris Morris thing. So he was much Yeah. Cause that has that. that more surreal element. It is, it it? is a bit weird. Yeah, yeah. It is a bit weird that. Um, and something is she also remembered, with, uh, you know, the graphics feeling like they're very ahead of its time. <laughs> uh, really? Yeah. yeah. I mean, you talk you, about you've got to remember the time that it was ahead of was 1994. Yeah. So. Yeah. We have said that they are quite, you know, that they're silly. But I mean, they're deliberately I, over the top, but yeah. I'd still think kind of pushing yeah, the envelope the of what was possible at the time. But yeah. obviously now, fair, like when you fair. look at the they news, look ridiculous. <laughs> it looks, yeah, but also kind of like... It almost elevates the gag because yeah. it's... Yeah. Because, because the presentation style of the news is so kind of bold and graphic mm. and over the top these days anyway. Yeah, and yeah, just generally she just, they were called kind of laughing their heads off really whilst they were recording it. Um, and that then the same team was kept on from across the day to day over to Know Me Knowing You. So in terms of obviously the cast, the set design, the production team, it's basically just the location teams weren't the same because obviously they moved from, mm-hmm. uh, well, they moved into TV Center to do Know Me Knowing You. And also a nice interesting uh, tidbit is that at the end of uh, the wrap of uh, the day-to-day, they were all given the day-to-day branded picnic blankets as a, as a parting <laughs> gift. Oh, it's really bizarre. Those. That'd be amazing. Um, so if, she, if she's is still it, got it, she's going to send me a photo I genuinely can't understand the reference for that. There's nothing I, picnic related in the no, show No, I all, wonder whether that maybe that's like a crew in-joke or, yeah. I don't know, just... A, a bulk deal on merch alone. <laughs> lost, lost in the sands of time. I don't know. Um, yeah, and then we just um, chatted a bit about her time on Knowing Me, Knowing You as well. And, you know, she said that obviously it was a totally different experience from the day to day because it was all studio based. So I guess it was very much like working on a normal chat show because they were in TV centre filming on a weekly basis like you would. Um, a particular moment she remembered as a favourite was Mini Driver. Be, being part of the production but um mm-hmm. as as we kind of said the other week obviously mini driver wasn't a kind of famous actress at that point and uh she thinks that she probably came into the production because her and patrick marber had a very close relationship so okay. that, that's how that came about um and yeah we just talked about steve coogan stayed in character the whole time when they were filming mm-hmm. so generally um people would people on the production team would try to not talk to him unless they absolutely had to because he was in character and quite nervous and just trying to remain quite focused but i mean as we talked about because it's in uh coogan's autobiography um you know he would come out and talk to the audience at the uh, before they started taping the show and during any kind of technical issues or kind of breaks in recording uh, but yeah she said that it was all they were all lovely people to work with no no divas on the production or anything like that which is which is nice to hear um and we we're also talking about uh, not 100% sure what actual time slot it was on BBC Two, but we're thinking probably neither a 9 or a 9.30 That slot, rings a bell. I which th- I, I, think I think feels that's about I right. Seen it, yeah. um, and, and again, I kind of made the point that if I was watching that when I was 12, it wouldn't have been a 10.30 slot. I definitely wouldn't have been up then probably. But um, yeah, she. I guess it was probably achieving around kind of two million-ish in terms of viewing figures, which for BBC Two then in those kind of time slots was really decent. Oh, that's pretty good, um, isn't it? But again, that thing where still no idea that what you're working on is going to become such a kind of cult classic comedy. Um, and yeah, just when they were working on Know Me Knowing You, that was all based in the talkback uh, offices. So also in the offices at the time, you had um, 
Graham Lonahan and Arthur Matthews working on Big Train. They were also producing things like Murder Most Horrid, Smith and Jones. They think it's all over. Never mind the Buzzcocks. So a real hub of comedy a coming out of the bed, talk. Yeah, a hot like. bed of comedy coming out there. And at the uh, end of the Knowing Me, Knowing You series, they were given coasters with Alan Partridge's face on. Nice. Lovely. So there a pre- you go. A precursor to some of the merch maybe that Sonia makes for him. In- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, so those are kind of the, the headlines from having that little chat with her. Which is fantastic. And just kind of to confirm a lot of things we've kind of talked about in terms mm. of um, the horse shitting on the floor was not planned. Um, the knife throwing was not real apart from the accidental knife throw, which did happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like Great. Um, she's given us some uh, little tidbits of intel on Knowing Me, Knowing Yule as well, which is the Christmas special that we will be talking about live at the Prince Charles Cinema in London. London's Leicester Square on uh, Wednesday the 22nd of November. If you want to come and join us for that, you can get tickets at uh, facebook.com slash thepartridgepod or twitter.com slash thepartridgepod. Uh, my plug endeth here. So <laughs> Yeah, we'll save, we'll save those yes, extra yeah. insights for, for November. Back, yep. to, back to Gay Paris. Um, so oh. Alan has gone full beret. I've, I'll just put his get-up is ridiculous. I mean, he it? looks like Frank Spencer. He's <laughs> <laughs> so, so very beige as well. Yeah. Um, yeah, and uh, very stereotypical touches. Um, the crowd sounds very much English, despite the fact it's supposedly <laughs> Paris. Yeah. Um, Alan has only recruited British, hasn't he? Yeah. But he has gone to the effort of making his chat puns French, uh, chateau and chatissier. Yes. <laughs> Chatisserie, sorry. Yeah, I love that. A castle of chat yeah. or chateau. And, uh, oh, go on. Um, did, did, did you guys notice you can see the beginnings of a moustache on Alan here as well? Yes. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, they, they talked in the commentary about actually you he's subtly growing his moustache across the series which is why I think it's I think the next episode he has the full moustache yeah Yeah, I think I've got notes in further episodes going why is he growing a moustache it must be very subtle then because I only noticed it when it was fully fledged in the next episode yeah I think I think it's only really if, if you if you know to look for it, you can definitely see moustache stubble on okay. this episode. But yeah. I think that's about it. Um, he introduces his co-host by saying, she doesn't run a whorehouse, but she does have excellent organisational skills. Good to she, know. She's apparently France's answer to a younger Sue Lawley. It's <laughs> Nina Vanier. Yeah. <laughs> the answer to a question that no one is asking. <laughs> uh, although it slightly ruins the effect, the fact that she was also in the punk band in episode one. Oh, oh really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ah. I never uh, obviously not as Nina Vanier, but yeah. um, the same actress, Melanie Hudson. Mm-hmm. Uh, did anyone note how Alan uh, mimes assaulting the audience at the beginning of this, this oh, episode? No, no, no. How oh, was I've it? got this down. It is. Uh, it's a. It's a machine gun. Yeah, machine, he, machine gun. He's, he's mowing them down with an assault <laughs> rifle. Yeah, <okay. laughs> they don't stand a chance. <laughs> yeah. um, he says to her that none of his friends would let him get away without saying, "Don't send us any of your rabid dogs." I'm, pre- <laughs> I'm pretty sure none of his friends would have helped him to that i'm pretty sure he doesn't have friends yeah what no, friends exactly. also uh, we're the french renowned for having rabid dogs no it's just the nearest country that has had rabies i so feel right. like i remember holidaying in france in the 90s though and dogs having rabies was definitely a thing you had to be aware sign, of yeah, yeah. Oh, would really? you like some uh, would Poor you like some dogs. rabies facts i mean producer jed is, <laughs> producer jed has given that a thumbs up right so, apparently yeah, double now, thumbs up we're now going into rabies facts with rabies adam brooks facts. hello uh, there's been fifty-five thousand deaths from rabies worldwide <laughs> would you like to guess when the most recent case in the uk was Oh, I just feel like this should be Nick doing this as, a, as another weekly dog <laughs> section. I think, I think Jed, Jed feels he knows the answer. Is this would, his one word? Would you like to use your word? 2016. Uh, that's not what I've got. But, uh, He's wasted his there word. There you go. <laughs> Done. No Anyone else care to hazard a guess? The, the last 20, reported case. 2015 then. Uh, goes all the way back to 2012. So oh, I can okay. tell somebody came back after being oh. bitten from a, by a dog in another country. Olympic rabies. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah, um, <laughs> that's all I've got for 2012. <laughs> the co-host owns him in a second, doesn't she? She is she is cool and in charge. 
Yeah. Uh, and then he introduces Glen Ponder and Savoir Faire, a <laughs> roughly French-themed name. Any bands called Savoir Faire on Spotify? Uh, I <laughs> you, you, have you, you been just, looking at the other ones? Did you just give up on looking for that <laughs> at this look. point? They were getting worse and worse, so I abandoned that. I'm going to have a quick look. Uh, I, I was going to say, I have a note here that what really tickles me in every episode is the band always sound like they don't want to be there. When he's doing the ahas, yeah, their ahas so are so disinterested. It's like, uh-huh. uh-huh. Well, they're there to be serious musicians, aren't they? They don't want to play along with his like patter. <laughs> it would seem so, yeah. yes. Uh, there is no band called Savoir Fair, but there is a song by Rocket from the Crypt called Savoir Fair. That's the best I can do. <laughs> I'm winning to be probably quite good. Let's <laughs> listen to it after the show. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, I don't understand why both the hosts do the intro with Glenn and the band it's, as well. It's, it's completely unnecessary. unnecessary. I, th- I think that's the joke. Yes, I'm yeah, sure yeah, it is. It's silly. <laughs> yep. Yep. Uh, and then he's, he makes his joke about uh, being insane. In, in the, the same. same. <laughs> you can see he's been stressing about how yeah, to explain yeah, that for and ages. it doesn't work. Uh, so Nina Vanier is played uh, by Melanie Hudson. Uh, just a couple of uh, credits uh, from her. She's been in the Mary Whitehouse Experience, in the Armando Unucci shows. Uh, she also had a bit part in Anglican Lives, one of the uh, later Alan Partridge specials. But the best bit is she's also been in Casualty. Yes. yes. If you haven't been in Casualty, you haven't made it. Nope. Um, it's at this point that Alan starts talking to Glenn and uh, asking if he's excited about the uh, show that they're going to go to this evening, which sounds like some kind of uh, oh, yeah. madam's show. Uh, and um, <laughs> what, what would you describe? Oh, burlesque. burlesque. Some yeah. people would call it burlesque, yeah. but you would call it a madam's show. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, it's it's ladies. Uh, you know, I don't yeah. know. Elaborate. I, no, no, no. If, I'm, if I'm digging just, myself. It's hole. ladies. <laughs> if you've just ladies. if you've just tuned in, ladies and gentlemen, the time is about nineteen. 12 <laughs> <laughs> very, very good. good so it turns out that glenn has gone and uh and left alan a message but alan has been stuck in his hotel room and didn't get to go to the show i wonder if he really left alan a message oh i wonder Ooh, we yeah, might find that out later we yeah. Yeah. We'll find out yeah. later resolve itself should we move on to the first guest of yes this show? Uh, yeah, yeah. well the, the, the first guest that he he introduces as our first guest my first guest um which made me think <laughs> that having a co-host seems very much an idea that's been forced on him against his will oh god yeah, <laughs> oh, of course, yeah, yeah. there's yeah. no way he wants to share the line no way uh, he also in the intro <laughs> brands, so brands brands mr kipling <laughs> the famous, <laughs> famous internet <laughs> chef, chef. <laughs> Um, and, uh, I, I noted that he hates the uh, traditional French two kiss greeting as well. Yeah. Yeah. Basically, it's a man kissing him, so he's horrified. Yeah. Yeah. But he also uh, introduces uh, the, the, a genuine, supposedly famous international chef, Philippe Lombier, uh, by saying, He's right, he's spry, he's crisp and dry. <laughs> 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 and, and again, Mar- Marber playing yet another smug character, I yep. think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, he he, uh, he comes on stage and Alan's uh, first words to him are, well, uh, you certainly smell like a Frenchman. So straight in there with <laughs> the casual races and <laughs> lovely stuff. Uh, I'd expect nothing less from yeah, Alan. To going on to explain that he wears Slazenger Sports, uh, but, <laughs> but that he doesn't use the roll-on because it traps your hairs. And it's true, it does. It really does. I would have had Alan as more of an old spice man or something like that. Mm. I'm, the, the question mm. I really oh, want to ask... Oh, here we go. Mm. No, no, no. The question I want to ask is, did Tom... Tom Stab's mum buy him a Slazenger, Slazenger Sport. What, deodorant? Or aftershave, whatever. Yeah. Not aftershave. We, we have established in previous episodes that she... What else did she used to buy? She used to buy your deodorant because your you were... Oh, yeah, yeah right. like, uh, buy it from Tesco when she started doing the big shop. He <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> wasn't able to buy it himself. <laughs> no, because I was like a teenager and didn't I have mean, disposable income. Teenagers. Didn't have disposable Nick's income. A, Nick's able to buy Dove for Men on his own. Exactly. Well, well, now, and, yes. and, he's, and he's barely a man. So <laughs> <it's fine. laughs> uh, I mean, probably, but, you know, she just buy whatever was ever on offer. <laughs> Two for Get one. Yeah, old mum. <laughs> old uh, old Philippe.
Philippe Lombert has uh, left a tray of snacks for them to, uh, which, to try. Yeah, which Alan's very keen to get. <laughs> well, <it's something> so, <laughs> so distracted, he basically abandons the interview. So yeah, he all of he these, pays uh, no attention to the interview and just yeah. starts chowing down, doesn't uh, he? In, at one point, he's he's required to speak, but uh, he, he goes a full 12 seconds to finish eating before he actually gets yeah. around to it. Uh, yeah, and uh, does comment that they are very much not hula hoops, cheesy what's it's on Monster Munch. <laughs> <laughs> Tell us all about them. Yeah. <laughs> um, are we on to the bit where we're talking about the world's most famous living philosopher? Uh, that's probably a good place to go. Yeah. yeah mm-hmm. Okay. So, uh, so Philippe Lambert uh, suggests uh, he's talking about uh, a person that he believes is the world's most famous living philosopher, and then Alan uh, disagrees. But when pushed for a suggestion, can only come up with Peter Ustinov. Uh, <laughs> name checked in the last episode. Yes. <laughs> yes. And um, I think there's there's more to say about him in a later episode as well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Not much. Um, a wonderful <laughs> bit is uh, where he tries to <laughs> rustle up some sort of beef between uh, Philippe Lombard and Bernie Inn. Yeah, now, <laughs> now I had to look up what Bernie Inn was. Oh, I, 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 I've had looked up yeah, Bernie Inn as well. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay, no, I was vaguely familiar with it. I imagine. Ah, okay, so th- this is your Foster's menswear yeah, moment, basically. basically. Yeah, it's, Adam, what's Bernie Inn? Well, uh, by my understanding, it's sort of like uh, your sort of your beef eater, your hungry horse kind of uh, chain pub oh, tavern yeah. type. Okay type situation uh, yeah well from the very rudimentary research I did that's pretty much <laughs> in line with all I got uh, it was a chain of British steakhouses established in 1955 um, but they were all kind of resold in 90, 1995 and converted into they're basically all beef eaters and brewers fair right. restaurants these days so yeah well I was going to add to that where um, please do I found this on Wikipedia uh, where Thank it God for said, Wikipedia. Uh, Bernie and was eventually sold to Whitbread fine turned to beef eaters fine <laughs> I mean 20- I've said all that mate <laughs> yeah no, 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 I'm just you know, skim to the end in 2013 a new look and feel was introduced Introduced, returning mm. the name to Beef Eater. The company introduced a new logo featuring a stylized cow in 2015. I do love me a stylized cow. <laughs> Basically, Vernon K in 2015 was appointed, <laughs> was appointed <laughs> the boss of beef. What? <laughs> what? Beef. He was basically some kind of ambassador. Vernon okay. K for anyone outside uh, of the UK is a uh, TV presenter here uh, sort of used to be sort of like a uh, Saturday morning TV, TV presenter now, yeah. and now a beef ambassador and now a beef ambassador, yeah. oh, ambassador the, the boss of beef <laughs> these uh, bits of beef you're really spoiling us question to the group if you could be the boss of a food what would it be? oh but can I have pizza? you sure can <laughs> I'll be the boss of pizza please. I'd like to be King Lobster Ooh, I, I like it I'd be the uh, burrito boss oh, very nice uh, can I be the boss of burgers or is that, or is that taking away from Vernon K I mean it should be your choice yeah. uh, it's your question mate uh, yeah but I'm, ju- I'm just worrying if that's encroaching on Vernon's territory uh, that's right. what I'm not sure about can anyone name any other British uh, sitcoms where Bernie and features no, no I'm going to guess no. uh, can you oh, oh, producer oh, Jed okay, if, come, if come only on. uh, he You've used your word for this episode. Oh, though. I think we can so let this can... one go to see if yeah, you can yeah, get it right. Yeah. Okay, come on. Red Dwarf. Correct. Wow. There's another one. Oh. Keeping up appearances. Only and horses. Correct. <laughs> <laughs> of course it bloody is. There we go. Nick, our resident keeping up, uh, keeping up appearances, our resident <laughs> only fools and horses expert you and plonker. mega fan. Okay. Dragging uh, this podcast back to the episode <laughs> in hand. Um, the, the guests asked, uh, so Bernie Inn's got thousands of uh, branches. You've only got one. Jealous. <laughs> <laughs> um, and they basically get into a conversation where they invent the concept of Pete and Bernie's philosophical steakhouse. Uh, <laughs> yeah, this is, yeah, this is a strange tangent. I know, but I do down. love it. It's yeah, I do as well. Oh, I think it's quite good. Uh, so Pete and Bernie's Philosophical Steakhouse does exist, not as a steakhouse, but it exists as an e-zine, a t-shirt range, a tweet from Bill Ryder-Jones, who was in the <laughs> Coral, uh, 
and a song by uh, Alan Jenkins and the Thurston Lava Tube, who are a psych pop band who I desperately tried to track down uh, but couldn't couldn't get a contact detail. But the uh, cover of this single shows a nude woman vomiting. Wow, lovely! Yeah. Uh, my, I've in. got yep. nothing yeah. to add to that. My next note just says Alan's eaten a bollock. Yep, <laughs> a gland. <laughs> a gland. He's How many a, of these he's glands? Eaten a pool? Animal yeah. Yeah. The slow reveal of what he's eaten is brilliant, isn't yeah. it? Mm. And then he spits it into a napkin. Yeah, we all know where it's going very early, don't we? Yeah. yeah. The, the next note I had on this interview was just, it's, it was about halfway through this interview, I noticed there is a bicycle and an accordion player behind them on the side. <laughs> so it's just literally ticking the boxes of all the French cliches. Yeah. Um, anything else on Philippe Lambert? Uh, I don't think so. Okay, so I think we're on to Cirque de Clune. Oh, well, actually, before we get to that, in the DVD versions, this is where you have a yep. cut scene. Ah. So where you have the uh, knowing me Alan Partridge, knowing you Alan Partridge. Uh, they have a French Alan Partridge in this cut scene. And he doesn't speak a word of English. Um, Alan gives him the time badge, badge blazer set. In the commentary for this part, Armando... Jo- jokingly said that they regretted they never cashed in and made the time blazer badge combination so it's commercially available would buy yeah i mean i, I would definitely buy one uh, of they, yeah they said that in one of the commentaries for uh, episodes one to three i can't remember which one and also mentioned that they're annoyed that they didn't do the masks as well yeah the alan Partridge's marks yeah, which, I, yeah we find out are used in the last episode of this series and also repurposed for i'm alan partridge yes yeah. i wouldn't be surprised if somebody did uh, did do knockoffs of all of those and yeah. is cashing in to this day i mean you can get the kind of the flat paper masks of um Yes, Alan, which uh, you had one of those, I've, didn't you? I've got one of those at home, yeah. Yeah, uh, I'll, I think I'll put it was, that on. <laughs> <laughs> and it was terrifying. Uh, yeah, Alan also gives to French Alan Partridge a painting of a bulldog with frog's legs, which is just ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> Bridging the gap across the channel. Yeah, exactly. There. Do um, they refer to him as Alan Partridge as well? Or is it just straight Alan? I would Ooh. assume it's Alan. Yeah, I, th- I think I think probably I can't. I can't. Well, mm. it just says here he's a lorry driver from Marseille. <laughs> he's visited England twice on various deliveries. I've not got the details, but he's here tonight. <laughs> um, and they also said in the commentary they genuinely oh, they flew say, over, and they do say Alan, Alan, yeah, Alan yeah. Patrice. Um, they, yeah, they said in the commentary they genuinely flew over a French actor from France for that part. It's like, why would you bother? I mean, just, just get John Thompson in to do a French accent. Yeah, I think that's or mental. a French person living in the country already. That yeah. would work as well. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Uh, but, that. I suppose that could work. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, apparently that's not what they did. Um, so yeah, and also shattering illusion that yeah, they didn't really film this in France. Okay. Uh, they filmed it in Shepherd's Bush, like everything else. Nice. Um, yeah, and then now time for Cirque de Clune. Cirque de Clune, yep. who are simulating pissing, chainsaws, cutting <laughs> penises off, etc., urinating um, and defecating on a corpse. It's a classic. Uh, it's a classic cultural uh, misunderstanding where Alan thinks that basically all clowns are going to be your kind of uh, big top variety of uh, sort of hijinks and not experimental yep, he, continental clowns yeah he hates them doesn't he yeah well he got again he comes on not for the first time in this series going no no, <laughs> no i'm not having this it's almost like he thinks if he says no enough it won't have happened yeah. but it has happened um and then <laughs> goes up to the, the main one which is uh david schneider, david schneider. going i presume you're in charge <laughs> uh, threatens them with physical violence from steve yep. the bouncer who you never or the minder sorry he will hurt you yeah who you don't see but becomes quite pivotal yep. later on yep uh, yeah. uh, in terms of Alan's relationship with Glenn Ponder as well. I, I had a note about their clowning around uh, when they pretend that he's farted. I thought that was genuinely quite funny. Yeah. <laughs> he's like, I haven't broken wind. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Can someone remove this clown? Yeah. That's them. Yeah. His Steve, he's really coming good. out. Yeah. His miming is very good in this, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, very and I love the bit when... Uh, when when Alan's trying to read the link direct to camera and then Schneider just pops up from underneath the <laughs> yes, camera. Yes, yeah, I, I, I thought that also, that there's a 
very, genuinely a massive audience reaction to that bit as well because I think maybe they couldn't quite see what was going to happen. Yeah. yeah. He basically concludes with Cirque de Clowns will be doing a tour of art centres in Britain. I'm sure there'll be plenty of tickets available. <laughs> <laughs> You're a disgrace, Cirque de Clowns. <laughs> yeah. uh, he has to do his drum roll gag twice as well when obviously once you've done it it's not going to land a second time. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, gives it a go. Oh no, he does it three times actually. Now what does... What does Nina say to the clowns in French to get them to behave? Because I wondered what what she tells Alan is that true? As because I don't I don't what, speak the tra- French. The actual no. translation. Yeah, does she actually is she truthful with Alan about what she says to them? I think in the end she she is because I mean what she say what she admits to him is is insulting. So yeah. Yeah. there's no reason for her to. Or what, you think she says something even well, worse? Well, no, I, I, I just find wondered, the scripts online. I just wondered because I don't speak French whether there were any other kind no, of hidden see. gags in it or well, anything. I, I mean, we've got the script there, Nick. It's not, it didn't you, cover it. It oh, did not have it. the French bit. No, no. Okay. Oh, so I think we it. might well, we might have to throw this out to our continental audience. If anyone speaks French and uh, and knows what Nina says to uh, to the clowns, then uh, let us know if it is what she. Yeah, claims I mean, it may just not. be what she says. But I don't yeah. speak French. I let the funky music do the talking. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Um, he introduces the next guest, very keen to uh, add in the fact that she caught the train from Waterloo. She came from Waterloo. <laughs> <laughs> I don't get it because, no. <laughs> because obviously they play Waterloo as she comes in, and he is desperate to make those intro that intro music relevant. Yeah. Um, As we've talked about, a lot of the chat show guests are based on real celebrities. So this is very clearly Vivian Westwood. And I think in particular, this appearance is based on Vivian Westwood, Vivian Westwood appearing on Wogan. Yep. Yep. Um, so, uh, yeah, he, he immediately thinks that she's doing pantomime. So he, it's, like he's, it's like he's not even briefed that she's a fashion designer. I uh, didn't know as well as doing fashion, you also do pantomime. Well, it's like a tale of two interviews, isn't it? Like Nina kind of gets it and is on board with her and they have a connection. Yeah. Alan's yeah. kind of he doing a completely she's, different interview. Thinks she's widow yeah. twanky. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, yeah, it's also the point where he says, I like to think of myself as an Alan of all trades and then introduces a new regular section of the show yep. uh, <laughs> called Alan's Trades. And then we get to a partridge in Paris uh, with four fashion styles, which is one of my, I think, one of my favourite partridge moments. Yeah, definitely. Uh, well, I'd say of all time. I think yeah. this is absolutely up there with. Well, the best I just said that's one of my favourite partridge moments. So yeah, but it could have meant the series. I'm just clarifying that I would say of all time. Really, you rank it that highly? Oh, I think this is one of the. What this little clip in Paris? So good. I think it's great. I think the descriptions are hilarious, yeah. and just seeing all his style laid out is yeah. just fantastic. Yeah. Have you got all the different uh, styles uh, I, noted I, down? I've got it here. I can talk you through it. I know that he he claims to have invented sports casual in this clip. Well, I'll talk you through it. And then I think we should discuss which our favourite styles are. <laughs> so style number one is what you'd wear to drive to Paris or cruiser Araviste. So uh, for this style, we have canary yellow shirt, horizon blue stay crease action slacks, <laughs> cap, Polaroids, cap. string back driving gloves. It's a look that says I'm in control of my vehicle. That's my favourite bit of this bit. He Sta- is also driving a Renault Espace. Yeah, he is. <laughs> he is. Good, good spot. Uh, fashion style two. The Man of Sports or L'Homme de Sport. Uh, for this, we have ice cream white shoes, ice white socks with navy blue double cadet stripe, a <laughs> pair of shorts, T-shirt with Chevron Action Flash, the tossed pink sweater that says, I'm in Paris and nothing's going to stop me. <laughs> I, I think, think that's my favourite. We should also flash as ice white shoes, yep. not ice cream white shoes. Fashion style number three is the classic English gentleman abroad. For this, we have the green blazer, the look Imperial Leisure. <laughs> a, a genuinely great pun, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, on, yeah on Imperial good. Leather. Yeah, yeah. Uh, oh, cravats. is that a pun on Imperial yes. Leather? That's the joke. Oh, that's the joke. I even I that. got that one. <laughs> wow, well, that's the even, first one. Even Alan got that <laughs> yeah. one. And Nick hasn't even seen it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> 
uh, cravat, hat, summer spectacles, and the AP blazer badge. Uh, he refers to those as the old four reliables. <laughs> uh, and then fashion style number four, the strolling pastel. A classic summer suit with the omission of long trousers. <laughs> I was going to say, have you ever seen a short suit? But like, that's yes. what, well, if we're going to yeah. say which one would it be, I would go for number four because I get to wear shorts. <laughs> you do love a short. Yep. Um, well, you could have the Lomme de Sport as well. You've got shorts for that? Yeah, I'd go for Lomme de Sport because I love a Chevron action flash. And I, I just like the, uh, the the freedom of the toss pink sweater saying, I'm in Paris and nothing's going to stop me. I, I like that. It's like, I'm in Paris and nothing's going to stop me. <laughs> Doing what? Yeah. You're already <laughs> in Paris. slowly walking, walking around, around yeah. with that funny look <laughs> on your face. Uh, I did have a note from the commentary here. Um, so when we're in fashion style four, strolling pastel, he nearly gets hit by a bike. That was genuine. That was not. That was not. That was not. Looks. Yeah. Yeah. Because I assume the 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 scale of the production was relatively small. So they can't shut down the shop. I think Armando said it was like a group of like four people that went out. They can't shut down an entire road. That's a major. Uh, So yeah, uh, favorite outfits for everybody. Then it's it's strolling pastel for me. It's Lom de Sport for me. Lom de Sport for me, and Stab's gone for Cruiser. Arabist. I'm going to go for that one, yeah. Okay, uh, Strong and Pastel. Uh, no, 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 sorry. The classic English gentleman abroad is really losing out there, which is a shame because mm. that is the classic uh, blazer look. It looks a bit hot. That's a too fair hot, point. Too hot for me. Um, and also, you have uh, quite a close up shot of the blazer badge here. Uh, does everybody know what the four images on the blazer badge are without looking at an image of it? Can you name them? A partridge. A partridge, yeah. yeah. Correct. A uh, microphone. Is, yep. Is yep. one a book? I was going to say book. No. no. Oh. Uh, is one like a voice or like a something speaking? No. Oh, is it like a like the tragedy or comedy masks? No. Well, okay. So the, the basically one of them I wasn't sure what it was, but the, the the three which are quite obvious, you've got a partridge, you've got a pear tree, and you've got a hand holding a microphone. The fourth one, if you look at that, I was like, I couldn't like quite swords. figure out what... Yeah, basically, it, it's a fan of samurai swords. Why? Because of his love of ladyboys in the East? Well, I, I think it's... I, I'm not quite sure, but... Um, and that is, what is that an ear in the middle as well? No, I think that's like, just You can like see a, it on the... On that, no, I think it's passing like over a, every ruddy word. It looks like oh. an ear... That does look like an ear on that. Yeah, right. it doesn't. Li- it doesn't. I've got a screen grab here. Well, I guess if that is an ear, it sort of mirrors his opening of "Know Me, Know You," where he's literally waging war on yeah, the ears on of his audience. But I, I, I thought the samurai swords was quite a nice link to uh, his uh, swallow character because swallow uh, has a love of uh, samurai swords. If anyone out there has any theories on what that bottom right section of the uh, of the Alan uh, Partridge uh, shield is, then uh, do get in touch and uh, let us know what Well, you I mean, think. I've told you, it's samurai swords. That's yeah, literally but... what Armando Yanucci said. Oh, okay, fair enough. There you go. Yeah, I've not, ma- <laughs> I've not made it up. Guys, we've saved you some valuable time. Don't look it up. Yeah. We've, we've yeah, done yeah, it. Yeah. Um, so we're back in the studio where uh, there's a lot of uh, crazy terms being thrown around in terms of the fashion uh, to the point where Alan says it appears to be happy hour at Pete and Bernie's Philosophical Steakhouse. <laughs> Uh, which is a nice callback. Um, he also claims that he's not naked under his clothes. <laughs> no, I'm not. Important. Yeah. No, I mean, I'm not. They yeah, can't prove him wrong. Yeah, and the line where Yvonne Boyd said, oh, well, we're all naked under our clothes, uh, that is a direct lift of a line from the radio show. show so uh, the Yvonne Boyd character is also in the radio show. <laughs> so that, that exchange yeah. happens again. Essentially, um, she says, oh, uh, you have your buttocks. And Alan says, oh, here we go. I was wondering how long it would take before the show descended into some French hidden buttock agenda. Uh, And shortly afterwards, he says, bearing in mind Pete and Bernie's philosophical steakhouse's clothes, what's the theme of your collection? To which she says, the futility of mortality. To which he says, why do I bother? (laughs) Bring on the models. I also love that the the first model is called Toe. (laughs) Tor. 
Tor. Is it Tor? Yeah, Tor. Well, uh, the name's Tor. Uh, it's Tor. Uh, with his ironic uh, bum bag. Uh, yeah. So ironic. I'm just working my way through. Yeah. Uh, well, Nick look that, looks that up. With what, all this what fashion, we, what do we think of the fashion? With all this fashion stuff, we're on Alan's side on this one, aren't we? Oh yeah, it's, it's utter, utter nonsense. <laughs> Broadly, although she does say that the bandage kilt liberates, and I do agree with that. I'm well, sure it does. But still, would you wear it? No, obviously not. <laughs> obviously not. Well, the next model is called Newman. <laughs> yeah, that's it, Newman. Uh, he's is he the one who's got and, the uh, uh, the drip, the uh, umbrella drip? Yeah, the umbrella drip. Uh, what wearing slippers as well? <laughs> Probably. Uh, yeah. So in summary, uh, the models are called Tor. <laughs> Newman, Newman, and uh, Matt. Matt. <laughs> <laughs> that was that was worth the wait, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah. Climaxing with quite a conventional name there. Uh, yeah, I, I just thought the fashion collection is nonsense. We're definitely on Alan's side, as you said, Tom. Uh, it, but it would kind of fit right into a Kanye West collection these days. <laughs> yeah, he'd love it, wouldn't yeah, he? Yeah, he wouldn't be able to tell the difference. <laughs> I saw someone say about a lot of Kanye West fashion stuff uh, on Twitter that uh, most of it resembles the kind of the peaceful tribes that they used to try and save on Star Trek: The Next Generation. I've seen that tweet as well. <laughs> it's very good. <laughs> very true. Um, Alan at this point claims that he's been broadcasting for 14 years including three on hospital radio uh, I think in reference to the hospital themed uh, fashion yeah yep. Uh, he also says to them, you're not ordinary, you're French. Yeah, and oh, and before that, he said, <laughs> he says to her, uh, I'm being told I'm ludicrous by Mrs. Whippyhead. Oh, yeah. <laughs> this is probably the worst his shows have unraveled, yeah, isn't it? It yeah. really descends very, very quickly. The point where it. he start claiming that well, they, he starts claiming that they they wear onions around their necks and say, oh, hoi, yeah. hoi, hoi, and that that's, that's a fact. fact. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's not racist, it's a fact, yeah. Uh, <laughs> but he does also then live on the show try and basically get in with Nina like trying to take her on a bit of a asking what she's up to after the show um, and is this when it all starts falling this apart, is when apart he they slowly everyone's been out without him basically yeah. Yeah. including the clowns and Steve the security guard <laughs> who I mentioned earlier who are now firm friends um, so yeah when he, when he, get, he starts getting when this is expired when, when it's transpired that everyone's been out except Alan from the entire production, basically, obviously he gets a little bit angry and he starts shouting at Glenn. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> calls him Judas Ponder. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, the bit, the bit when he says that he discovered Glenn playing jazz synthesizer in a Norwich wine bar and gave him a big break on national television, I thought... Just using the phrase national television reminds me of something like Jeremy Kyle or yeah. Kilroy or something. Yeah, 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 yeah. I can't believe you said that. On national television. It's yeah. like, whatever television is there, really. Like, yeah. like you know, Alan's not on Anglia TV yeah. or something. <laughs> There's also a genuine, I think, a genuine stumble, or you'll be able to tell me whoever's been on commentary duty. Uh, he says, I gave you your brig break. Uh, oh, oh, really? I think, I think they probably, were, it probably was a genuine mistake, I imagine, but that they left it in because he's sort of, he's losing, he's lost it. He can't even pronounce they words. Just he's, on so, a, on a, he's Norfolk's in, maddest in man. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and I just wanted to check, uh, jazz synthes- uh, Glenn playing jazz synthesizer in a Norwich wine bar, I believe, does that tally with how he tees it up in iPartridge? Uh, yes, I think so. Yep. That's how he first meets him. Um, cause he's also, he also conducts, uh, bands as well as playing jazz synthesizer and collects the coins that are thrown Oh, that's so right. Yes, yeah. yeah, we talked about that. So then, yeah. Glenn Ponder is sacked live on air. He's the, <laughs> he's the subject of a sacking. Uh, knowing me, Anna Partridge, sacking you, Glenn Ponder. <laughs> it's one of my favourite lines. Um, although in I Partridge, he claims he was sacked in episode five, not episode four. So there is a bit of an error in the book there. I think another uh, continuity uh, bombshell. Comms yeah. bomb. Yeah. Uh, does anyone else have anything for? Uh, I mean, I think that the point to make here at this point is I feel like Glenn basically takes the fall 
uh, on behalf of everyone else because Alan is basically powerless to do anything to anyone else. So he feels yes. like all he can do is take it out on yeah. Glenn yeah, yeah, yeah. and use that as a way to poor Glenn some yeah. kind of pathetic excuse. There is to show an, his power. an entire chapter in iPartridge devoted to Glenn Ponder and the sacking thereof. So I can give you a bit of information about Please the do. aftermath of yes, this yeah, uh, yeah. event. So um, the official reason given for Glenn's sacking was insubordination. Um, <laughs> Glenn argued that that only applies to military personnel, so took it to a tribunal. Um, and then uh, Alan says, after several years, Glenn and I managed to patch up our differences. Glenn lost his flat and lived in a YMCA for six months due to oh, due to Alan's bad legal advice. Alan told them they should both uh, sack their mutual lawyers and they were no good for them. And then as a result of that, Glenn became homeless. Um, <laughs> Thanks, Glenn, Alan. Glenn continues to pursue legal action as he's being sued by his band for unpaid earnings relating to uh, Knowing Me, Knowing You. Uh, but that he does still meet Glenn for an occasional Nando's. For uh, the, uh, for the Ness? Ness. 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 And that uh, Lynn still, and I quote, harbours an openly bigoted dislike of Glenn. <laughs> <laughs> His so, assistant. Yeah. Oh, we Lynn. should clarify that Ness stands for... Nando's efficiency system. Yep. Yes. Thank you. Right. Thanks to Nando's bewildering ordering system where, <laughs> you, just, where you have to lay the table yourself. It's <laughs> just far too difficult to comprehend. Yeah. Uh, and so uh, Alan bows out of this show by, by thanking his guest, Monsieur, T- Monsieur Testicle, Pantomime <laughs> Cow, and Miss Ahoy Hoy Hoy. I think this is that's probably the most openly racist we yeah. see him being, isn't yeah. it? It's quite something. Brutal. And then Glenn starts playing the, the, the theme, even though he's been sacked. He's a professional to the end, but Alan stops him and insists that only the sad, lonely accordion player <laughs> who's gets been to play standing them out. at the back of the stage throughout the entire episode. <laughs> um, anything else of notes for this episode then? I think that's I think that's all of my notes. Can really? we get an IMDB update? Certainly can. Uh, right, seven point eight out of ten, and that is from fifty-seven reviews on IMDB. Okay, so it's going back up now. It's gone back up. I think that's fair. I like this yeah. one. I think yeah. it's a good one. Yeah, yeah it works. I think it's in the upper echelons yeah, of, uh, of the series. Yeah. It just works. Okay, we're going to play Cards Against Humanity. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, bit to get 30, bit to get 20, 20, 20, bit to get 20, 20, bit to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Wow! Nice! Yeah! What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Any second now. All 
right, it's Cards Against Alanity time. We've taken phrases and sentences from this series of Knowing Me, Knowing You, and uh, everybody around the table has cards to choose from. Uh, you have to complete this incomplete sentence from this week's episode. Jed is going to ping his bell for the one he likes best, and we are keeping an eye on the scoreboard, where at the moment, Tom Stab has zero, I have zero, Tom Dark has two, and Nick has one. Everything's quite tense. So yeah. the sentence you have to complete this time is, you won't find these at your local B&Q, they're blank. Okay. So Jed, uh, Jed's struggling to make a decision here. Uh, it's, it's, it looks like it might be a tough, the toughest decision yet. So here we go. He's picked his winner. You won't find these at your local B and Q. They're the Chattanooga Choo Choo. Oh, yes. Straight in wow. With the He's oh. equalised. It's, it's the equaliser he needed. It's level pegging on this side of the table. <laughs> okay. Uh, the other entries we had. You won't find these at your local B and Q. They're the Void of Solitude. You won't find these at your local B and Q. They're sponges on the horses' hooves. <laughs> and you won't find <laughs> again these... the popular vote yeah. for fuck's sake. Yeah, I like that one. Jed. People's champion. <laughs> <laughs> you won't How find... much have you paid him? <laughs> <laughs> you won't find these at your local B and Q. They're the Chattersphere. There we go. So uh, that concludes. <laughs> I think I'm winning that the popular. Absolutely robbed. Sake twice. <laughs> Uh, so yeah scores on the doors that's uh, two for Nick two for Tom Dark zero for myself and Tom Stab and on that bombshell we come to the end of Cards Against Alanity and this episode of Monkey Tennis uh, join us next week when we'll be talking about episode five of Knowing Me Knowing You with Alan Partridge if you want to get in touch with us it's uh, thepartridgepod at gmail.com and if you uh, you can get in touch on Facebook and Twitter and also get details of our live show coming up this November in London uh, on facebook.com slash thepartridgepod or twitter.com slash thepartridgepod uh, so from all of us at Monkey Tennis Thanks, goodbye, and aha! Aha! Au Strolling pastel. Monkey Tennis is a post-pop podcast produced by Jed Shepard. The artwork's by Dave McNamara, and the theme is an excerpt of the Black Beauty theme, Galloping Home, by Dennis King. To find out more about the records and podcasts made by Post-Pop, head to postpoprecords.com. Monkey Tennis? You better believe it, babe. There's a new chat in town. Monkey tennis? Ice white shoes, ice white socks with navy blue double cadet strap. Aha! Monkey tennis? I've just been told that Roger Moore is at Chiswick Roundabout. Monkey tennis? Oh, what the heck? Rock and roll, let's all have a pack! Monkey tennis? Yes, I am in a jacuzzi sipping spunt. Alan, 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 Alan. And on that bombshell, monkey tennis? Aha! 
As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. 